about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things, and he wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. 
Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Well, good evening. It's great to be here. Uh, as you heard, I grew up in Campbelltown. Uh, and in Campbelltown, every year, there's this festival called the Fisher's Ghost Festival. Uh, there's a big story to it, which I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, what they have at this festival is they have all sorts of different community groups come in. Uh, and then there was one time, I was in year nine, and I was at the festival, uh, and there was this judo demonstration. And so they were showing off their judo moves, throwing each other, tripping each other, and there was a bit of sparring in there. It piqued my interest. This, this looks really interesting. Uh, and so I went up, uh, and then they asked for a volunteer, for someone to learn how to do a judo throw. And so I volunteered and stepped up, and it was that day which I threw someone twice my weight over my head. I was amazed. I'd just learned this judo move, and I threw this guy over my head. It was crazy. And then they thanked me, and I stand off to the side, shaking a bit because all the adrenaline pumping. Uh, and then they start going on about explaining what judo is. They slow down a bit, and they're like, well, judo is the gentle way. Uh, it's not like other martial arts where you're punching and hitting each other. It's, it's the gentle way, and it emphasizes using your opponent's strength against them. Now, at the time, all I really needed to sign up was that experience of throwing the guy. Uh, that's all the evidence I needed. Uh, but in retrospect, it was really helpful to hear more about judo and to know exactly what I was getting my, myself into. Uh, and yes, I did sign up. And so as we dig in today's passage in John 21, it can seem a bit out of place. Uh, John seemed to wrap up his testimony pretty well at the end of chapter 20. Uh, we saw the evidence of Jesus risen from the dead. Mary at the empty tomb. We saw the disciples' reactions to Jesus being gone. We heard uh, how Jesus appears to both Mary and then to the disciples. And then we hear of Thomas, who he wouldn't believe unless he got to put his hands into Jesus' uh, wounds, where the nails were and where the spear went. And then John concludes chapter 20, uh, verses 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's a great ending to a book. He's given us sufficient evidence to believe, so believe and have life. But then he continues with this last story of a breakfast Jesus has with his disciples after a miraculous catch of fish. It's kind of like an epilogue, but I think it's really helpful for actually understanding what we're getting into when we believe in Jesus. We get to see how Jesus interacts with his disciples. And we get to see that what we're getting ourselves into is a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, for those of you who like to take notes, uh, this is a three-point sermon. Uh, yes, 
Uh, the first point is a Jesus and his disciples from verses 1 to 14. The second point is Jesus and Peter from verses 15 to 17. And the third point is Peter and John, verses 18 to 25. And in each of these, we'll see how Jesus interacts with his people and better understand what it's like to believe in Jesus. Uh, Jesus and his disciples, verses 1 to 14. So Peter and uh, six other disciples decide that they're going to go fishing. And so they take a boat out onto the Sea of Galilee and they fish all night, but, verse 3, that night they caught nothing. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? You go fishing all night and catch nothing. I'm not a good fisherman, but at least I've caught a fish about this big. But they, they had three professional fishermen, and they couldn't catch a thing. And then to make matters worse, there's some random guy out on the beach yelling out, Friends, haven't you caught out any fish? Oh, literally, it says, children, haven't you caught any fish? What, how embarrassing is it? And they yell out, no! Then, this random guy does what we all hate. He tells them how to do their job. Verse 6, he said, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Can you imagine being on that boat? You've been fishing all night, haven't caught a thing, you're sweaty and tired, and there's this guy on the beach calling your children and telling you where to fish when you have three professional fishermen on board. But they do it, and they, they chuck the net out on the right side, but they don't just catch some. The net gets heavier and heavier. And verse 7 so verse 6, when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And then it clicks for John. Verse 7, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, realizes who this is and says to Peter, it is the Lord. Suddenly that question on verse 5 takes on a different light. Children, haven't you any fish? It's not patronizing. It's not saying, hey, kids... It's actually deeply relational. In calling them children, he's describing them as treasured, the way a parent treasures their child. And that's why the NIV translates it, friends, to get this deep relational aspect. Jesus cares deeply for his disciples. And once they realize who it is, Peter, he dies straight off the boat. He's gone. Swimming ashore. The rest of the, the disciples are hauling in this large catch of fish in the boat. Uh, and when they get there, verse 9, Jesus already has a charcoal fire going. He's got fish cooking, he's got bread there. Uh, and he tells them to bring some of the fish they've just caught. And the net is full 153 large fish. And even with so many, the net did not break. It's miracle after miracle. And Jesus invites his disciples to have breakfast with him. Can you just picture that for a moment? The risen Lord Jesus, sitting on the beach with some of his disciples, having breakfast. 
What I find interesting is that Jesus didn't need his disciples to bring a thing. But he lets them participate. Jesus already had the fish and bread cooking, but he tells them to bring some of the fish that they caught. They didn't really catch them, did they? But they get to participate in what Jesus is doing and add to the breakfast. Uh, when I was growing up each year, uh, at around Christmas time, mum would get each of us, uh, my brothers and I, uh, to come to the dining room one by one, and we would pick which presents we were going to give to our family members, uh, all of which my mum had bought. Uh, and so I'd, oh, I'll give that to Peter, I'll give that to Daniel, wrap them up nice and good. And then on Christmas Day, I'd get to go under the Christmas tree, grab a present and say, here you go, Daniel, here's what I got for you. Here you go, Pete. I hope you, really hope you like it. Here you go, Dad. This is a good one. And here you go, Mom. I, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, on the surface, it's a bit silly. Uh, we all knew that Mum bought all the presents. But what it meant was that every Christmas we got to participate as a family. And these disciples are members of Jesus' family. He doesn't need them to bring anything, but he provides and he lets them participate. This is what Jesus is like. Uh, For some of us, it can be easy to think, well, I've got nothing to offer Jesus. I want to tell you, that's okay. In fact, the truth is, none of us have anything to offer Jesus. He doesn't need anything. But he invites people to have a personal relationship with him and he invites people uh, to be involved in what he's doing. We don't get to relate to Jesus face to face like the disciples, but we do get to hear him uh, through his word and we get to speak to him through prayer. And just like the disciples here get to participate in the breakfast, we get to participate in Jesus' wider work. We get to join him in sharing the good news to all nations. We get to serve one another as he served. And we get to do the good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus doesn't need us, but he chooses to involve us. And he invites us into a relationship with him. That is what you're getting yourself into if you believe. But what if you're a failure? What if you are just going to mess it up? Let's turn to Peter. Peter, verses 15 to 17. After the meal, Jesus speaks to Peter. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What a loaded question, right? Do you love me more than these? He's pointing at the other disciples. Now, now Peter has said bold things before. Uh, In John 13, 37, he said, I will lay down my life for you. We half expect that, do you love me more than these? Peter's going to say, yes, Jesus, come on. I love you way more than these other disciples. But he doesn't. Instead, he answers simply, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? He's hurt. The last time Peter was asked the same questions, three times, by a charcoal fire, was when Jesus was arrested. Three times he was asked if he was a disciple of Jesus and three times he declared, I am not. Peter said he was ready to die for Jesus, but instead he denied him three times. And so by asking three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me, Peter realizes that Jesus knows he's failed. And so failure that I particularly resonate with, maybe you do too. You see, Peter's failure was to live up to his own expectations. Have you failed to live up to your own expectations? I have. Peter really thought that when the time came down to it, that he would die for Jesus, that he would follow through. But the time came and he couldn't. The time came and instead of following through, he rejected Jesus. He says, I am not a disciple. And Jesus knows. Here's what happens next. Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Notice that Peter Peter doesn't say yes. Jesus knows his heart. Jesus knows that he's failed. And Jesus also knows that despite his failings, that Peter loves him. And Jesus restores him. He commissions him to look after his sheep. It's a position of honour. This isn't just uh, looking after a flock out at Nazareth in a random paddock. No, when Jesus talks about his sheep, he's talking about his people, those who believe in him. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand runs away, but the shepherd stays. Jesus commissions Peter three times to look after his sheep. Three times for three denials. Peter is not just a hired hand, he is a shepherd under the good shepherd. Peter is restored. He is forgiven for denying Jesus. His past failures do not stop Jesus from entrusting him with an important role. You may feel like you've failed. You may may feel like a failure. That if you believe, you're just going to mess things up. But look at how Jesus treats failures. Look at how he treats failures that love him. He restores them and he can restore you. This is what you're getting yourself into if you believe. Now, does that mean that all of our lives will look the same? Well, no and yes. 
Let's look at Peter and John. Peter and John, verses 18 to 25. Straight after entrusting Peter to take care of his sheep, Jesus says this, verse 18, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Jesus tells Peter clearly, you are going to die glorifying God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter hears this and he looks around and he sees uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, following them. And when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? Lord, if, if I'm going to die following you, what about John? Is it the same for him? Jesus answers, verse 22, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And because of this, uh, there was a rumor that John was never going to die. Uh, but that's not what Jesus said. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Peter has a plan. So John has a pe- oh. Jesus has a plan for Peter. And he also has a plan for John. And they are actually different plans. And instead of letting Peter compare plans, he tells them, Peter, don't worry about that. You must follow me. It's something we easily do, isn't it? We compare what our, what's going on in our lives to others. We can look at other Christians and say, well, why, why don't I have it like they do? It's not fair. But here's what Jesus says. He says, what is that to you if that's my plan for him? You must follow me. Jesus' plans for us are different. The life I live and the life you live will not be the same. But each and every believer does do the same thing. We each must follow Jesus. And this is what you're getting yourself into if you believe. John has given us a wonderful testimony about Jesus. He could have written so many different things. And we see that in verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. But John chose these stories about Jesus so that we could know him. From chapter 20, we have sure evidence of Jesus risen from the dead that we might believe and have life. And in today's passage, we've seen what we're getting ourselves into if we believe. We're getting ourselves into a relationship with Jesus, a relationship where Jesus cares for his disciples where Jesus involves his disciples in his work, even though he doesn't need them. Jesus restores failures that love him. And Jesus has a different plan for each and every one of us. 
but each of us must follow him. If you're a Christian, know Jesus and know how good it is that he cares for you and this is the relationship you have with him. Uh, But if you're here and you're not a Christian, can I encourage you to head along to Alpha to find out more about what it's all about and to give your life to Jesus. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us. But Lord, we thank you that he didn't stay dead, that he rose from, the death, from death, that we could be forgiven for our sins. Lord, we thank you that uh, we get to see what Jesus is like through your word, that, you, that he cares for us and that he involves us in his work. We pray that uh, if there are any obstacles stopping us from trusting in Jesus, that you would remove them. And that through all of this, that we might each follow you and not compare each other uh, to ourselves. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.